Imagine a morning in late November, a coming of winter morning more than 20 years ago. Consider the kitchen of a spreading old house in a country town. A great black stove is its main feature, but there is also a big round table and a fireplace with two rocking chairs placed in front of it. Just today, the fireplace commenced its seasonal roar. Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Book Blurbs. At the time of this recording, we're still in the midst of the 12 days of Christmas. So, in an effort to keep the spirit of the season going strong, today I want to share with you an evocative short story about friendship and the joy of giving during the Christmas season titled A Christmas Memory by Truman Capote. A Christmas Memory was first published in December 1956, and you may know Truman Capote more so for his more famous works like Breakfast at Tiffany's and In Cold Blood. He was born on September 30th, 1984 in New Orleans, Louisiana. His parents divorced when he was four, and he was sent to live with his mother's relatives in Monroeville, Alabama. He formed a strong bond with his mother's distant relative, Nanny Rumbly Falk, while he was there. Truman described her as, Her face is remarkable, not unlike Lincoln's, craggy like that, and tinted by sun and wind. And that's the description we get of her from A Christmas Memory. Um, And in Monroeville, he was also a neighbor and friend of author... Harper Lee, who we all know wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. And uh, Capote is probably based on the character of Dill in that book. Capote taught himself how to read and write before he entered his first year of school. He was often seen at age five carrying his dictionary and notepad around, and he began writing fiction at the age of 11. Capote said, I was writing really sort of serious when I was about 11. I say seriously in the sense that, like other kids go home and practice the violin or the piano or whatever, I used to go home from school every day and I would write for about three hours. I was obsessed by it. Capote worked in the art department at the New Yorker for two years before he was fired for aggravating poet Robert Frost. Years later, he reflected, Not a very grand job, for all it really involved was sorting cartoons and clipping newspapers. Still, I was fortunate to have it, especially since I was determined never to set a studious foot inside a college classroom. I felt that either one was or was not a writer, and no combination of professors could influence the outcome. I still think I was correct, at least in my own case. Now, Capote struggled with drug and alcohol addiction and was in and out of rehab clinics in the late 1970s. He died on August 25th, 1984, at the age of 59. His last words were reportedly, It's me. It's Buddy. I'm cold. Buddy, as explained in the short story A Christmas Memory, 
was Nanny Falk's name for him, and that's really important and comes up uh, in the story we'll be discussing today. So A Christmas Memory, as you may have gathered, is a largely autobiographical short story. It's set in America in a kind of country location in the 1930s. Our seven-year-old narrator, Buddy, is essentially a stand-in for Capote, and the other main character is essentially an eccentric and childlike 60-something-year-old Nanny Falk. The two are the best of friends and also have a loyal dog named Queenie. They live with their relatives, who are portrayed as stern and strict in the story. The family is very poor, very poor, um, especially since it's set during the Great Depression. But Buddy looks forward to Christmas every year, and he and his elderly cousin, um, the friend, save their pennies for this occasion every year. Um, at Christmas time, they always go out and collect pecans and buy whiskey from a man named Haha Jones to make their special fruit cakes. And they send these fruit cakes to acquaintances they've met only once or twice, or not even at all. Uh, for example, they always mail one to President FDR. After they finish making and mailing out their fruitcakes, Buddy and his friend find a Christmas tree and put up homemade Christmas decorations. Buddy and his friend keep their gifts to each other a secret. Other relatives give Buddy uh, hand-me-down clothing and subscriptions to religious magazines, which he's not interested in at all, and his friend receives oranges and scarves. Uh, now, bear in mind, as always with short stories that we discuss on book blurbs, I will be going into spoilers just because it's such a short story. Um, it would be hard to talk about otherwise. So if you haven't read it yet, I encourage you to go... Uh, search online for a Christmas memory. You can find it there. Give it a quick read through and then come back and listen to the rest of the summary in my discussion here. So I'll give you a quick minute there to go and do that if or pause if you want to. Now it's revealed that the gift that Buddy and his friend make for each other uh, are kites, handmade kites. Um, now they take the kites out to this beautiful hidden meadow that only they know about, and they fly the kites that day in a clear winter sky while eating um, the older friend's Christmas oranges. The older friend thinks of this as heaven and says that God in heaven must be like this. Sadly, it's their last Christmas together, and the following year the boy is sent off to military school, and... Although Buddy and his friend keep up a constant correspondence with letters, it's not able to last very long because his elderly friend suffers more and more from old age and eventually slips into dementia. And soon she's unable to remember who Buddy really is because she had a friend uh, that she knew in the late 1800s who's also, uh, who also had the name of Buddy. So she's constantly confusing the two of them to the point where she doesn't even recognize um, the still living buddy that is our narrator in this story. And not long after she's unable to remember him, 
she sadly passes away. So I had never read A Christmas Memory before. This was my first read-through of it. And although it ends on that heavy, kind of sad note, that really realistic, gut-wrenching feeling of loss, um, there is hope at the end, too. Um, And one of my favorite things about how Capote wrote um, A Christmas Memory is just how descriptive it is. It engages every one of your senses from taste to smell to sight. Uh, And I think one of the paragraphs that best exemplifies that goes as follows. When they're baking the fruitcakes together in the kitchen. The black stove, stoked with coal and firewood, glows like a lighted pumpkin. Egg beaters whirl, spoons spin and round in bowls of butter and sugar. Vanilla sweetens the air, ginger spices it. Melting, nose-tingling odors saturate the kitchen, suffuse the house, drift out to the world on puffs of chimney smoke. In four days, our work is done. Thirty-one cakes, dampened with whiskey, bask on windowsills and shelves. So it's just, I love it. I mean, I don't think I'm really a big fan of fruitcakes. Um, I can't say definitively because it's not really a holiday dessert or treat that I actively seek out. But after reading through A Christmas Memory, it's going to make you want to have a fruitcake or at the very least go and try and get the smell of one. Um, the way that Capote writes about them, it just makes your mouth water. Uh, and it's like it's there right in front of you. So it's it's just wonderful in ways like that. Um, even beyond the baking of the fruitcakes when they're out um, picking out a Christmas tree in the woods, um, you feel like you're there walking with Buddy and his friend through the snow, hearing the crunch of the snow beneath your feet, feeling the brisk uh, chill of the wind on your face. And um, it's just so immersive and well-written in such a short um amount of pages and it's just really well done in that way beyond the descriptive writing the characters themselves are so well fleshed out you really know them by the end of the story which is again incredible for such a a short length that this story is Uh, it's a really fast read so uh, going on this fruitcake baking adventure and the christmas decorating Uh, with Buddy and his friend, uh, you really get a sense of who they are. Um, Even though they're very poor, Buddy dedicates his whole year to this time of Christmas and really makes an effort to save every little penny to make sure they have enough to go out and buy the ingredients for their fruitcakes and have the materials necessary for their Christmas decorations. And then his older friend, his cousin, his relative is kind of a hoot. Uh, even though she's 60 something and older, uh, she's got this very childlike energy, this optimism um, that really works well with Buddy's character and just creates this incredible, wonderful, warm, dynamic duo. And it's great to follow the two of them. And these two things, this descriptive writing and these three-dimensional, fully rounded characters come together in a beautiful way in the ending there, 
where they go out to the meadow and fly their Christmas presents to each other, their kites. And the older cousin, the relative, gives you this beautiful description of how she feels at that moment. And I'm going to read it to you just because it's so powerful. My, how foolish I am, my friend cries, suddenly alert, like a woman remembering too late she has biscuits in the oven. You know what I've always thought? She asks in a tone of discovery and not smiling at me, but a point beyond. I've always thought a body would have to be sick and dying before they saw the Lord. And I imagine that when he came, it would be like looking at the Baptist window, pretty as colored glass with the sun pouring through, such a shine you don't know it's getting dark. And it's been a comfort to think of that shine taking away all the spooky feeling. But I'll wager it never happens. I'll wager at the very end a body realizes that the Lord has already shown himself, that things as they are, her hand circles in a gesture that gathers clouds and kites and grass and queenie pawing earth over her bone. Just what they've always seen was seeing him. As for me, I could leave the world with today in my eyes. I mean, it's just so emotionally gripping in that moment. And when you're reading through it and getting to this last page, these last couple of paragraphs, it's hard not to have that evoke strong emotions in you and even to get the feeling of a tear in your eye and having your eyes water up on you. It's just so beautiful and kind of unlike anything I've ever read regarding Christmas stories like this, much less a short story for this uh, kind of medium, this genre, to be able to really pull that emotion forth from you is an incredible achievement. And that's uh, towards the end, but Capote doesn't stop there. Even tragically after um, Queenie dies, you know, the dog, she passes away. He gives a beautiful description of that, um, that tugs at your heart. And after Buddy, the narrator, has moved off to school where the family sends him and his friend, his older relative, starts to lose her memory from old age and then eventually passes away, Capote leaves you with this final closing paragraph um, regarding the friend's passing. And when that happens, I know it. A message saying so merely confirms a piece of news some secret vein had already received, severing from me an irreplaceable part of myself, letting it loose like a kite on a broken string. That is why, walking across on a school campus on this particular December morning, I keep searching the sky, as if I expected to see, rather like hearts, a lost pair of kites hurrying towards heaven. Ugh, it's it's gut wrenching even just reading it for the second or third time now. Um, it just shows how intertwined and how strong the bond is between Buddy and his best friend, and how much it pains him that she's gone. You know, he says that he felt it in his bones and knew before he even received news of her passing. 
So they're just so deeply connected and they've got this bond um, that he'll carry on through the rest of his life, even though she's gone. And he looks forward to reuniting with her. And so it's really interesting and powerful to me that possibly Truman Capote's own last words were, it's me, it's Buddy. And almost as if he's calling out um, to his relative, one of his best and closest friends in life, uh, telling her that they were going to be reunited like the two kites in the sky. And that's a Christmas memory for you. It's a tale about the the happiness and the joy of the holiday season coupled with what many people experience this profound loss of a dear loved one that they were close to many people find the holiday season very difficult because they lose a relative or friend uh, during this time of the year and so they always have that memory of them especially uh, remembered when you know, Christmas comes around and all the the activities that go along with it kind of reignite that spark, that bond that they've lost. And so in a way it's it's good because it brings back the the joyful, loving, happy memories, but it's also bittersweet because that person's no longer here to experience the joys of the season with them. And I think a Christmas memory is also about enjoying the simple pleasures of life while you can, even though they may feel or be fleeting in nature and kind of momentary and not lasting long. It's still important to take them in and really relish these simple pleasures as they come. So as you can probably gather from my sentiments I've expressed thus far, I think A Christmas Memory by Truman Capote is a spectacular achievement in short story writing. But where do I think it falls on my rating scale? Is it way up at the top at bookshelf worthy? Or is it maybe somewhere around a library checkout? Well, stick around and I'll tell you after the break. Welcome back to this episode of Book Blurbs. Today we are talking about A Christmas Memory by Truman Capote. And it is time to give out my ranking for this short story. As a reminder, my ranking goes from best to worst, bookshelf worthy, by library, spark notes, and simply pass. Skip out on this one. So, I am going to give A Christmas Memory by Truman Capote the rating of bookshelf worthy. This was a pretty easy choice for me. Uh, I momentarily hovered around by, but as I reflected on it a little bit after reading it, it was a fairly easy decision to bump it up to bookshelf worthy. This is a remarkable story that I think will still be fresh every time you pick it up and read it again. It will still emotionally gut punch you and just really lift you uh, 
as a reading experience with its descriptive writing, um, its similes and metaphors, and every kind of writing tool employed here by Capote is just on a level like none other for a short story, especially a Christmas story. And I think it'll be a, a wonderful story to have on your bookshelf and and figuratively, figuratively, of course, because now you can just find this on the internet and download it just like that. Um, I found it as a PDF as one of the top Google search results. So I think it's a great story to keep in mind and return to every year. Uh, it's got wonderful themes that fit in with the season and um, like I said, will be fresh and meaningful every time you read it. So A Christmas Memory by Truman Capote is definitely, in my opinion, bookshelf worthy. That'll do it for this week's episode, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you had a wonderful Merry Christmas, and I pray that you have a happy, healthy new year as we approach 2020 and the start of a new decade. Uh, I hope it's full of goals that you achieve and blessings that might be unanticipated but lead to joyful, happy, memorable experiences. Um, Do me a favor, follow me on social media at bookblurbs19 on Facebook and Twitter. You can send an email to bookblurbs at gmail.com and you can send in voice messages for the podcast at www.anchor.fm slash bookblurbs. I also encourage you to leave a rating for the podcast on whichever platform you're listening to, whether it be Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, um, Stitcher, Spotify, any of those great platforms. Uh, leaving a rating will make the podcast more visible and uh, available to even more listeners to find. So that would be a great help and really appreciated. My name is Kenneth. I've been your host, and I hope to see you in the next episode of Book Blurbs. Take care.